0: We should like, a fighter jet fly by, if you guys heard that at all.
1: The Seahawks game's starting.
0: Oh, nice. That is a cool plane.
1: Not a Concorde, though. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to episode 20 of Acquired the podcast about technology acquisitions. I'm Ben Gilbert. I'm David Rosenthal. And we are your hosts. Today's episode is one that's been coming for a long, long time. It's a cornerstone of all of computing today, Google's 2005 acquisition of Android. I'm speechless. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, 2005, uh, when you think about the numbers, doesn't feel that long ago. But when you think about the first time you saw an Android phone and heard about what Google was working on, it seems like the iPhone hadn't come out yet, right? Yeah. This was pre-iPhone. Before, iPhone was just a glimmer in Steve Jobs' eye. Yeah. All right. So to all of our new listeners, uh, welcome. We were uh, featured on um, New and Noteworthy and uh, iTunes over the past, looks like, week or two and uh, about doubled our our subscriber base. So thanks so much for everyone uh, trying us out and giving us a shot. I think what I want to do is is go over the format of the show, since uh, a lot of you are new, and um, and talk about what we'll cover today in, uh, in kind of reviewing and grading Google's Android acquisition. So the first thing uh, is, is something sort of newish that we're trying called Community Showcase. And we um, felt it was important since we have so many listeners who are working on projects and building things, a lot of entrepreneurs and... Um, we like to on each episode talk about something that one of those people is working on, so that we'll do our our community showcase. Then we go into acquisition history and facts, where David takes us through what the, actually happened. Yeah, yeah. What happened and when? Yeah, and then uh, then we get into the acquisition category, where we decide if it's a people acquisition, technology, product, business line. We recently added asset to our categories, or the uh, ever so All famous other. other. Yes. Um, then we talk about what would have happened otherwise, uh, what tech themes this illustrates for us. We then formally give the grade of, of our acquisition from the episode. Then we have some some follow-ups and a, uh, a section called the carve-out. This is where, where David and I um, grab something from our, our lives that we've seen with a book or a piece of software or uh, anything in the media that we think is um, either related or completely unrelated to the topic at hand. And just uh, something fun that strikes our fancy.
1: The other thing um, that we sometimes do now is hot takes Hot takes. If something big uh, in the MA world or otherwise happened in the past week or two, we'll do a quick discussion. We
0: will. So that's the show. indeed. All right, so our community showcase this week, listener Matt, I, I might butcher this. Morgante uh, released a book called Patagonia on a Budget. Uh, it's on Product Hunt right now. Um, if you search on Amazon for Patagonia on a budget, you can you can find it. And it's how to have your adventure in Patagonia on thirty dollars a day. And there's a ton of cool photographs in there. I uh I should uh, I should go pick up a copy because it looks looks super cool. Patagonia is awesome. That brings us to uh,
1: also for our new listeners, our Slack community. So we have a community uh, channel on Slack, and if you'd like to join it, uh, there's lots of great discussion going on on there. Uh, just go to our website acquired.fm, and there's a sign up uh, form there, and then you can hang out with the community uh, throughout the week.
0: Yeah, and if you uh, if you want us to show off what you're working on. Um Drop a link in, and we'll we'll check it out. So, onto this week's topic. David, you want to hit it with the acquisition history and facts? As
1: always, Ben. So, Android, as Ben mentioned, this one has been a while coming. We've had a lot of requests for this. Uh, We've been saving it, and we felt it was time to finally dive in here. There is so much to unpack here, so we'll get into it. October 2003, Android is a startup company just founded in Palo Alto, by Andy Rubin, Rich Miner, Nick Sears, and Chris White. And Andy Rubin, the CEO, was basically born to start this company. So uh, Andy's career started at Carl Zeiss, the um, uh, the camera lens, uh, camera hmm. technology and camera lens uh, manufacturing company. Uh, then he moved to Apple, At Apple, he met a bunch of folks. Uh, This was uh, during the John Scully era. Wow, I did not know he was at Apple. He was at Apple, yep, there for a couple years. And he and a bunch of other people spun off from Apple and started a company called General Magic, Hmm. which not a lot of people remember, um, but this was a spinoff from Apple, actually went public itself. And the whole, they never launched a product, but what they were doing was they were building essentially a tablet. Uh, like a personal communicator, you know, sort of a Palm competitor. Uh, And a lot of that tech, I believe, ended up in the Newton at Apple.
0: They they went public?
1: It was a public company, yep. And then it ended up going bankrupt. Wow. It was super ambitious at the time. I I believe also some of the technology that they developed there became the standard for USB. Huh. A lot of really cool stuff happened there. So he went from Apple to General Magic. And then a bunch of General Magic alums went and started a company called Web TV, which you Mm. probably do remember. And Web TV uh, was part of uh, this was in the kind of mid to late 90s uh, vision that uh, a lot of people in technology had at the time that the Internet was not going to happen on computers. In a big way, it was gonna happen on your TV.
0: That's right. So this was a set top box, like this, your cable box. This is in the era that Microsoft's making the bet that they should do MSNBC, like a technology-enabled television channel yep. joint venture. This is the
1: AOL time warner days, mm-hmm.
0: like it's all new
1: media, old media, eyeballs, like <laughs> it's the eyeball economy. So Web TV ends up getting acquired by Microsoft, and uh, and and Andy and the team uh, Go up to go up to Seattle. Work at work at Microsoft. I don't know if they actually ever came up to Seattle, um, but they build Microsoft TV, hmm. which, as we know now, is an abject failure. Uh, but shortly thereafter, Andy leaves and he starts a new company called Danger. So Danger was founded in the in the late 90s, I believe, after Andy left Microsoft, and they made a little device called the Sidekick, hmm. and this was sort of. It, RIM already existed, so there were Blackberries out there, but this was the f- first consumer-focused uh, smartphone, really.
0: Yeah, and it had like uh, celebrities where it had a cool factor because they would show their danger and you know photo shoots, and like this this was a thing. You you wanted to have yep. one of these.
1: I remember the first time that I started hearing about. Um, about the sidekick in danger was watching Entourage. <laughs> oh man! And it was like everybody on Entourage had a sidekick. I think there's actually a, a episode where this is a plot point. The turtle like gets a sidekick and like it's you know he's, he's super cool. I <laughs> it, it can't was, remember exactly.
0: It's so recognizable too that the way that it spun out. I mean the the industrial design was crazy unique and super cool. Yep. Super. I mean there was very little
1: on the market like this. Like I said, there were smartphones, they existed, but this was like the Windows Mobile days, there was BlackBerry. It was for business people. It was for business people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and then the sidekick comes out and it's the first time like, oh, we can bring this technology to consumers as well. Um, so Andy was the CEO of Danger and then uh, he ends up leaving uh, relatively early on in the life of the company Um, Oh, by the way, supposedly uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin were huge sidekick users Uh. as well. (laughs) Um, And uh, so he ends up leaving and starting a new company that he calls Android. And the vision for Android is... This is
0: post-acquisition?
1: No, no, this is pre-acquisition of Uh. Danger. Danger doesn't end up getting acquired by Microsoft until 2008. Oh, wow. Much later. Uh, But in 2003... Andy leaves and starts Android, mm-hmm. and whereas Danger was a sort of full stack company, they were making the hardware, they were making the software that went on these sidekicks. Um, they were dealing with carriers, everything. Mm-hmm. Android um, is is an operating system company, and they want to take uh, Linux and essentially make it into a an operating system capable of running on mobile devices, and the first. Sort of, uh, we now know Android runs on so many devices today. The first target market that they're going to go after is digital cameras.
0: That's right. That's right. I remember reading that, and I think what they assessed that it's not a big enough market. Yeah, which is
1: interesting because like it was a huge market at the time. I mean, this was 2003. Everybody had the you know point and shoots, and uh, it would be interesting to know like. What thought process they went through and deciding that that wasn't big enough, but yeah. um, fortunately they made the right call yep. uh, and quickly pivot into focusing the device on mobile phones.
0: Yeah, I wonder it. it didn't, it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it, I don't think it was apparent in two thousand three that point and shoots would go away and become part of phones. Like, could could you? is there a world where you see that maybe the other way around that you're like, we should build a a really great camera because at some point cellular technology will become, you know, lightweight enough that we can put it in into the camera. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, it it would certainly been hard to imagine, um, cameras on phones to the extent they even existed then getting good enough that you could right actually take real pictures on it
0: yeah i don't think i had a camera phone until 2005 or 6 yep later than and they, this time they were period. just horrendous oh they were awful
1: <laughs> um awful Uh, I mean, even the first iPhone in 2007, like the camera was part of it, but it wasn't like that was a big selling point and contrast that now
0: with how
1: huge the camera is on the iPhone. I
0: literally just pre-ordered a form factor that I don't want because the camera is better. Like I, the, the plus is too big for me. And I, I just, I, you know, I had this weird realization that, wow, I use this thing more as a camera than a phone.
1: Maybe Andy and team were like more right than they thought at the time. Anyway, getting back on track. So as far as we know, um, they never raised any venture capital at Android. But Steve Perlman, who had been the CEO of Web TV and who had been at General Magic with Andy, and Andy had worked for him at both places. Um, at one point, there's uh, in the lore of, of pre-Google Android, apparently Andy was running low on cash. <laughs> and Steve shows up at the office uh, at Android, with an envelope with ten thousand dollars in cash in it, and he just gives it to Andy.
0: And he refuses uh, to take a share in the company. Andy tries to give him shares for it, and he says, "No, no, this is just no, for you." He's just giving him the cash. <laughs> <laughs> what a good friend! I know that's awesome. I know, Steve, will you be our friend? <laughs> um,
1: so, um, so that happens. They're working away on this operating system. And uh, as we mentioned a minute ago, Larry and Sergey had been big sidekick fans. Uh, they had actually met Andy uh, back, in, back in the day when he was working on Danger. And July 2005 comes along and Google ends up just acquiring Android before they've shipped anything. They're a long way away from shipping anything. Um, deal terms not announced. This was a small team, hadn't raised any venture in Palo Alto, uh, rumored to be about $50 million. And what's interesting is that many years later, uh, David Lowy, who was um, at one point head of uh, Google's corporate development in in 2010, he's being interviewed and he calls this Google's, quote, best deal ever. (laughs) So they've acquired this company. It's Andy and team. They're working on this operating system. Um, Immediately, you know, Google had just gone public a year before. Lots of rumors start circling about what Google is up to here. You know, are they working on the g phone you know this is kind of like the g drive that we talked about right with with google docs the the rightly acquisition for years people are speculating what is going on here what is going on here and there's no g phone andy and team are working away for years um and uh and and so pretty much nothing happens until 2007 Mm -hmm. and then in january 2007 the world changes yep Steve Jobs Steve, announces the iPhone.
0: The the breakthrough internet communications device where nobody really understands what he's talking about and applauds it's a, phone, a little bit. It's an iPod. It's a, <laughs> it's a breakthrough, breakthrough internet, internet communications device.
1: device. <laughs> one of the best um, one of the best, you know, product launches and and speeches and presentations of all time. Yep. Um, so that happens in January 2007. Meanwhile, Andy and team within Google had been working on the operating system and they'd been working with hardware partners about what the, you know, phones that they would ultimately bring to market would look like. And they were working with HTC Mm -hmm. and, uh, they had a prototype and it looked a lot like the Palm Trio. If you remember that it was not a touchscreen, it had, you know, BlackBerry like keys on it. Right. Um, I'm not sure if it had a stylus, uh, it may. And, and so then they, they watch, the iPhone announcement, which, you know, at the time it was, it was amazing. Like I, I lined
0: up for the first iPhone, like I couldn't wait to get it, but like, I I lined up for the first iPhone and didn't buy one. I I was, (laughs) I was young and did not have any money. And it was like, I couldn't pay for the data plan, but I wanted to be part of it. That's amazing. (laughs) So I was lucky. I had
1: just graduated from college when it all, when it came out that summer, literally. Mm. And this was the first cell phone I bought. Like I went off my parents' plan Got my uh, own plan just so I could get an iPhone.
0: That's right, because they launched special iPhone plans that didn't include yep. family plans. Because
1: it was, we'll get back to this, it was an exclusive with AT&T. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which becomes quite important later. Um, so so this happened and, and, you know, consumers were dying to get this thing. I think people were calling it the God phone. Um, but this is also the time Steve Ballmer is saying, like, you know, literally laughing about it. Like a lot of... Uh, corporate tech and big companies you know are really discounting um the transformative power that the iphone's about to have here
0: and meanwhile the the there's a great story about a bunch of uh um rim employees that were sitting around that watched the keynote and said it was fake they were like they there is literally no way to do this that we've tried you know that this is not you can't get scroll performance like that you can't make it you can't make a screen like that and and uh, it's like it's amazing how you know you can get Steve Ballmer dismissing it while simultaneously the BlackBerry guys don't even believe it's possible to do that yeah, stuff. It's
1: interesting to to look at the spectrum of reactions here. You've got Steve Ballmer who just dismisses it. The BlackBerry guys are in denial, and the Google reaction. So there's an engineer later, uh, a interview later with Google engineer Chris DeSalvo, who was working on Android at the time, uh, and and he said, he says, "quote What we had suddenly looked." just so 90s it's one of those things that are it's one of those things that is so obvious when you see it and uh and they realized that they had to go back to the drawing board immediately that this was game changing wow so this was this was january 2007 and they had these prototypes that were pretty far along with htc and and had they started the open handset alliance That, that comes in a minute um but they scrap everything they realize hey the world has changed we now need to compete with the iphone so later that year in November, um, Google, and, and it's interesting the timing here, be, we don't know when they were originally planning to do this, but they ended up doing it in November. So after the, the iPhone had launched, um, they have a big event and they announce and the Android operating system and they also announce, equally importantly, the Open Handset Alliance. Um, and so the Open Handset Alliance—they have HTC, Sony, Samsung, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Qualcomm. So like the whole it's like the phone stack, ecosystem, right? get, the whole stack.
0: Manufacturer, they're the operating system. They have the carriers. Yep.
1: And this is this is for all of these these players in the ecosystem you know, if they don't realize already, this comes to be, this is the only way they're going to stand up to Apple is mm-hmm. they all need to work together. And there needs to be this open operating system tying it all together, which becomes Android. So they announce both at the same time. And what's Super interesting is um, as part of the announcement, they also have the $10 million Android challenge. So they make it super clear, Google does, that Android is an open operating system and that means two things. One, it's open source, mm-hmm. so anybody can use it. And later on this leads to forks of Android like Cyanogen, um, like the Kindle Fire. Xiaomi as an Xiaomi, entire company. Yep, becomes super important later, um, but that's it's completely free. Anybody can take the Android software and do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. The other part of open that Google really focuses on is developers can develop for the platform. So this was before the iPhone iOS was not yet open to That's developers.
0: Right. WWDC in July or in June of 2008 is when Apple gonna walked back there. You can make web yeah. apps and announce the app store. Yep. And and Steve jobs
1: initially was, you know, his posturing was, we, you know, we don't want developers. Uh, we want to control everything right. of the software stack. Um, and, uh, Hard to imagine what the iPhone would be like today if there were not third-party developers. Uh, not successful. Well, it's interesting. I mean, Google kind of pushes them towards this with when they make Android open, right. and developers start to realize the massive reach. With you know, there are however many computers, there are PCs there are in the world, and web browsers, but there's a lot more phones, yeah, and they can reach this huge consumer base. Um, so this really is sort of like. Google's kind of putting a flag in the ground mm-hmm. um, and saying, "Hey, we're open. That means two things. We're open to the entire hardware and supply chain ecosystem, but much more importantly, in the long term, we're open to developers. Hmm. So that was that was November two thousand seven. But remember, they realized like they couldn't compete with the iPhone. So they right. end up not shipping the first Android phone until almost a year later hmm. in October two thousand and eight. And that's when the um the HTC dream, uh, slash in the US, the T-Mobile G1 that's right. uh, is the first Android phone, the, the much vaunted, anticipated Google phone, and that's still at, comes out. That's still at a keyboard, right? Still at a keyboard. So it was a touchscreen, mm-hmm. um, and it had a it had a scroll wheel on it. That's right, uh, and physical hardware buttons, which were part of Android for a long time, um, and then it had a slide out full qwerty keyboard. Uh, much <laughs> like uh, much like the sidekick that slid out uh, horizontally from the device, huh? Super interesting. So it doesn't really look anything like the iPhone. It's kind of its own thing. Um, but this is this is the first uh, the first Android phone that finally comes to market. So with T-Mobile, made by HT- HTC, um, and it comes out sort of just in time for the holidays of 2008. It doesn't really make much of a splash, you know. At this point, the iPhone. Um, you know the growth in iphone shipments by today's standards or
0: slow but at the time it was like completely taking off yeah. clear that this was a hit and i remember steve jobs on stage saying that their goal for the i think it was their goal for the first year of the iphone was to capture 1% of phones I don't think he said smartphones. Think he intentionally. I think he. In, I believe it was intentionally because they, they they yeah. didn't want to acknowledge that smartphones were a category, much like they never acknowledged netbooks or right. And, and it, I think like it's it's amazing looking back. Like their their hope was to get one percent, and I think that's that's kind of what they tracked actually that that first year. But then the explosion after that you never could have predicted, and then
1: and then the market just completely exploded. So. Um so it wasn't actually then until around the holiday season of 2009 that Google, you know, who who knows how much Google drove this, but essentially the rest of the wireless phone industry ecosystem, except for Apple, realized they have a big problem, yep. a big, big problem, because the iPhone is on its way, you know, at this point uh 3g has been launched so uh that was one of the big things with the original iphone oh like it's great but like it's slow
0: and 3g was out but apple it was one of those things where apple had been working on the iphone for so long that the only thing they could get to market by july of 2007 was an, an edge was phone. edge yep and then what oh uh, the 3G. Two 2.5g that's you right remember ben that's right <laughs>
1: um and uh and by 2009, Apple then opened up iOS to developers, so that wasn't even an advantage anymore. Um, and and the amount of... So remember, iPhone was still exclusive to AT&T at this point in the US, mm-hmm. and AT&T is just raking in subscribers at this point. Becoming It was already... I believe it was already the largest um, phone network before the iPhone, and at this point you know Verizon Sprint
0: T-Mobile uh, have
1: huge huge issues
0: yeah that's got to be one of the best partnership or exclusivity agreements in the history of the American corporation is is AT&T strapping itself to the the iPhone as a rocket yep i mean <laughs> it, 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 the the thing that paints it in my mind for how like how big a deal that was is how big a deal the opposite was like how widely anticipated the Verizon iPhone was. And when right. the Verizon iPhone came out, how crazy all my friends went that were non-AT&T with all this incredible pent-up demand for yep. it.
1: Which, um, which is uh, interesting that by holiday 2009, there's finally been enough time in the product cycle that Verizon, Google, everybody else, all the handset makers realize they got to do something. And so Verizon launches the Droid in 2009.
0: And they paid Lucasfilm every single time the word droid was mentioned. Isn't that amazing? It's at the bottom of every magazine ad. It's it's so awesome that they were like, yeah, screw it, it's worth it.
1: It's total, it's worth it. <laughs> and and I mean, this was in a lot of ways, this was a phone ahead of its time. Yep. But the whole positioning was against the iPhone here. It was the the campaign was called Droid Does, and uh, this was like the you know the old Mac and PC campaigns, but in reverse. It was like, well, your iPhone doesn't do X, but Droid does.
0: That's right. And the, that this is like the full swing of the the smartphone wars heating up where now we sort of settled into this place where, you know, Android's got about 80% of the people. iPhone's got about 20% of the people, but iPhone people pay, you know, for apps and and much more so than Android people. And it's interesting how it's reached this almost like, like not a peace treaty, but like, it's, it's like, we thought there was going to be one winner in this smartphone wars, and it was going to be a crazy five-year thing, and one person. Would we thought branch. it was
1: going to be Microsoft and Apple all over again.
0: Right, right, and it's interesting how we've reached this equilibrium where, like, the the world exists in a, a multi-platform way, kind of sustainably for at least this this set of years, this, maybe, this maybe a moment decade. in time. Yep, and and then the the in that initial Droid does thing, they uh, they intentionally like it w- it was confusing to people that you could get an android but it wasn't from google and it wasn't called an android yep and so i think it was like an intentional move to say you know what we're just gonna like just like lean into that the phone's gonna be called a droid it's the main one we're gonna market we're not gonna have android be a consumer brand yep and it was amazing how how many and and important to
1: remember too who made the the droid it was motorola which we'll get to in a second. No,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. But it was, it, it, I guess my point is, like, it's amazing how it was in most people's lexicon to ask, do you have an iPhone or a Droid?
1: Yeah, it wasn't Android, it was a Droid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, everything you're you're saying, Ben, I mean, this was, like, these were the holy wars of mobile that, that got kicked off with the Droid. And, um, and uh, so, basically, from 2010 to kind of 2012-ish, there's just this race where everybody who's not Apple in the ecosystem is racing to copy Apple and then try and surpass if they can, but even just get to parody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, towards the end of that time, that's when you see Samsung really emerging. I mean, they were the most shameless,
0: just literally ripped wholesale (laughs) everything from the iPhone, but it worked. And so fast, like two months after Apple would announce something like, some team at at samsung would get to it work all night and then they'd rush it to market and then they'd announce that it exists and then like you know there'd be maybe you could get them from the supply chain maybe you couldn't but like they put a stake in the ground that like yes samsung has this too and you see it all the way through like touch id like they had slide to
1: unlock like uh, there was a big fight about that yep yep um and 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 to the to the bitterness involved here. So, you know, Steve Jobs is towards the end of his life at this point, and um, and the Walter Isaacson you know biography that comes out, which is this incredible book. He has this quote in there. He says, "I will spend my last dying breath if I need to, and I will spend every penny of Apple's forty billion in the bank." funny that at the time Apple only had 40 billion in the bank. Like that's cute. Right. Um, to write this wrong, I'm going to destroy Android because it's a stolen product. I'm willing to go thermonuclear war on this. (laughs) (laughs) This is incredible. Um, yeah, but this was, this was the height, you know? And, and so, you know, that comes out and and then, um, and then Vic and that guy, (laughs) incredible. Um, it's amazing, like how much the world has changed, though, from his vision. You know, when he was alive, um, and how different things are now. You know, like the famous quote: "Like if you see that you Steve see said, stylist, if you see a stylist, it. we blew it." You did, know? You, did
0: you hear the interview with Tim Cook a couple of weeks ago? That that they asked, they um, I forget who did it, but the, in, in Apple's recent little PR rush, they asked Tim Cook about that exact thing, and they're trying to push him on the point that, like, are you guys blowing it? And uh, and Tim starts with. Well, first of all, it's a pencil, not a stylus. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I love Apple marketing.
1: (laughs) What would Steve have said? Uh... But Tim isn't Steve, which is the point. And Apple T- is not,
0: D- uh, Tim did recently, you know, in the last couple of years, refer to the Android ecosystem as a toxic hell stew. <laughs> or I think he pointed out it, it was like a quote rip from a a writer that they put up on the stage at Apple. So
1: uh, you know, Google doesn't just like take this lying down. They no. you know they strike back, and um, and so Vic Gundotra, uh, who is a longtime exec uh, mm-hmm. at uh, at Google, and uh, I believe. Founder of or in charge of Google Plus at one point that was that was a low mark on on his uh, his time there. But um, at at I O Google's big conference in 2010, Vix you know asked about this and uh, Steve's you know quote and Apple's feelings about it and and he says if Google did act this is a quote if Google did act we faced a draconian future a future where one man one company one device one carrier would be our only choice that's a future we don't want.
0: Yeah. It's a very like noble way to approach it's why like the, into this you know, business. the
1: famous Apple 1984 commercial. It's like Apple is now the, you know, the man talking on the screen and yep. you know, Google and Android is throwing the hammer at
0: it. Yeah. If you can find a way to position yourself as an underdog, even if you have a monopoly in search and are one of the largest technology companies in the world, by God, you should do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're literally out appling
1: Apple yep. at Apple's own game here. Um, and, uh, and and so you know it it was a, a war, uh, and at the time you know so many everybody in the press, everybody in the tech world was, you know, is it Android going to win? Is iOS going to win? What's going to happen? What should I? And startups, you know, at the time we our portfolio companies and as we we were talking to new investments, it's like, well, what are you going to develop for? Like it was a big question then because it was really hard to develop for
0: both right i guess it's probably a good time to say for new listeners uh david's a vc here at uh, at madrona venture group we're we're recording out of their offices this weekend and um i'm over at pioneer square labs just down the street and we're a we're a startup studio so it's probably helpful to have some some context on like who, who, <laughs> who we are and are why what we're we doing do. this yeah yep.
1: um and uh a couple other side notes that uh uh one that is more a quirk of history but is just too fun not to talk about here in august of 2010 htc acquires a majority stake in beats (laughs) Uh, beats audio and as a result of that from kind of you know 2011 to 2012 2013 ish um, you can still go buy these things on amazon which is amazing we will link to this in the show notes there are beats branded android phones out there on the market htc phones
0: i kind of want to buy one and like bring it to my next meeting at apple like pretending it's like my phone and see what happens
1: that would be amazing (laughs) um total like quirk of history uh i mean there were uh htc was was bundling beats headphones with their android phones for a while when they were selling them (laughs) hard to imagine that in today's world of you know beats being part of apple i know um also makes me realize just like just how small the technology world is. I feel like we talk about this a lot on the show, but like whether it's, you know, Mark Laurie, you know, had worked at Amazon and Amazon had acquired his last company and then he's vowing to destroy them or, you know, all the companies that came out of PayPal or um, Photoshop and Pixar that came out of Lucasfilm. Like it's really a it's a small world in this um, in this corner of the economy here. It Um, is. And
0: and the other um, it's funny. These are like not I guess they're sort of tech themes like themes of the show. It it's funny how um, long things seem in our mind, and how short they were in number of years. Like when Apple launched the iPhone in two thousand seven, Android had not been announced yet, and they they were not at war. They were so friendly that, like, Eric Schmidt was Eric Schmidt, on yeah, Apple's came board. On
1: stage in uh, in at the launch of the iPhone and talked about how Google. It was going to be an integral part of the iPhone.
0: And it was. I mean, Google Maps was a huge, like, that was a tentpole feature of... Not of, to
1: mention Google Search, which we will get into in a minute.
0: Indeed. Uh, but it's incredible how fast these companies became at each other's throats and completely separated. I mean, if, if you... The the way that companies are direct competitors, like, if you go back 20 years, Apple and Microsoft are direct competitors and hate each other, and Google's, like... like this benevolent, you know, hands off, we serve all group. And in a a very, in very short order from 2007 to 2009, it became Apple and Google at each other's throats. And fast forward to today where like, Microsoft services are all over all these platforms yep. and, and like Apple's partnering with Microsoft on a lot of things. And, and another crazy example, like Apple launching this big enterprise partnership with IBM, like how fast the world changes. Yep.
1: And, and you were in the middle of this. I mean, you were one of the original folks on office for iPad I was, I was, yeah, that was a, that was a heck of a project. Um, so we'll get more into this in a minute, but I, but I think it was, I mean, this is a, a little flash forward to tech themes for me, but, um, I think the reason this was happening was like all these big tech companies realized all of a sudden that this was the opening of a new frontier and a new market, the mobile market that was going to be literally the biggest market that technology and maybe the world had ever seen. I mean, because Apple becomes the world's most valuable company during this time period. So all these companies are realizing that you're going to have, you know, first a couple hundred million people in the United States and then a billion people around the world and, and, and then... And then multiple billions of people, and ultimately every person in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, When we get to the end state, you know, still a couple years hence from now, is going to be coming online, buying a smartphone, having access to technology for the first time. And you know, as friendly as Apple and Google were before this, all of a sudden it's a race to go capture this market. But I think the mistake that they made is, uh, or at least that I don't know that it was a mistake, but the fight that they were fighting at first wasn't the right fight they were fighting for the like hardware layer
0: right and well was the question is was google doing that at first like why why did google so this is this is sort of as we transition from the the the, the, his, the history and facts into more of like our analysis portion where we are today it's very clear that the reason that android needs to exist is to prevent Apple from being the front door for users to use Google services like Google can't afford to give up that control number one in case you know people are going to use other services instead of Google services namely Google search where all their money comes from or all the revenue comes from yep and secondarily there is an agreement that gets signed with people who are sending traffic to Google and I may as well just come out and, and, and start with this number right now 34 percent of Google Search revenue from their their AdSense, right? Uh, uh, well, it's AdWords. AdWords. So,
1: um, what Ben's referring to, one of the for our new listeners, one of the things that we love on this show is lawsuits, not <laughs> not not targeted at us, but uh, between the the companies that we cover, because all sorts of really interesting things come out in lawsuits. And in um, uh, over the last few years, Oracle has been uh, waging a a lawsuit against Google for Google's and Android's use of Java in creating, um, and Java's APIs in creating Android. And, um, one of the things that came out in that lawsuit is how much money Google pays Apple for, for having Google search as the default search on the iPhone. And it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. The, the amazing thing that Dave and I were, were, um, like looking pouring over the lawsuit and thinking about this it's not a, a flat fee like apple gets 34 percent of all the search revenue that comes from their platform
1: yeah. so somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 percent, it was at one time around that it's a lot of this part of the lawsuit google freaked out about and had sealed but for a moment it was public how how this worked
0: so in, in 2015, um, uh, estimates from Goldman Sachs are that Google did uh, about $15 billion of revenue from their, their mobile search. And so Apple um, has about 18% of the global market share. So if you kind of figure out what that comes to, it's about $918 million by that calculation or as released in the, these documents, about a billion dollars that, uh, that Google paid to Apple for Apple to be using um, or directing people to Google search. So then you start thinking about, okay, the strategy for Android as it is today is very clearly to basically get free customers, basically get people that are already Google's customers to directly interface with Google and and search. And that way Google doesn't have to pay that that yeah. revenue split to anybody else for access to those and users. And this
1: is something that I didn't really realize until we started doing the research for this episode, but is kind of mind blowing if you think about it, like, A... <laughs> Apple is getting a percentage of Google AdWords revenue that happens on the iPhone. Like, that's crazy, Uh, one. Um, But two, like, it all makes sense for Google now. Like, to the extent that people use Android phones Mm -hmm. or use the Chrome browser on the iPhone instead Mm -hmm. of Safari Mm -hmm. or any one of a number of ways that people are searching on platforms that are owned by Google versus, or at least controlled by Google, versus other platforms where they have to
0: pay out, you know, revenue shares. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a it's a no brainer. Yeah, the the case for like basically Google is a company that makes money when people search and then click on ads. Like that is that is yep. they do all these and other things. And if people things, search on
1: properties that are not Google, even indirectly, like they're searching on Google but they're doing it in the Safari browser. Yep, Google has to pay. Attacks every time that happens.
0: Yeah. And so there Google basically is is uh the entire reason that Android exists is so that Google doesn't need to pay for access to their own existing customers. And what mobile did was it inserted this new wedge into, you know, Google already had this relationship where Everybody, you know, opened up their computer and Google was their, their homepage and they would search or it was built into browsers through all these agreements they had cut. Mobile opens this opportunity for all of a sudden there's this whole new platform with, with all these people that have switched over to it and all these people that are... Coming online for the first uh, time. For the first time, yep. yeah. And not only does Google have to make sure that those places don't use their competitors, small smaller as they may be, um, but they actually have to pay to get the, you know, pay a cut of their revenue for the the privilege of being the, the default search there. So it, when you kind of take a step back, like the, the strategy for Android, the strategy for the, like the reason Chrome exists, like these things are, are all the same. And it's to make yep. sure that no one else is inserted between the revenue generated by clicking on ads from search and their customers. And it's
1: interesting, right? Like uh, Wall Street and plenty of other analysts that are looking at Google... They always throw stones at Google and they say like, oh, come on, like this company can't succeed at anything except AdWords. Like none of their products make any money. Android doesn't make any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube doesn't make any money, as we talked about, uh, which I, I still feel good about our grade on YouTube. But um, Chrome doesn't make any money. We, but we get the, a C for the record. Yep. Um, but, uh, but the reality is things like Android, things like Chrome are huge economic value to to Google.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. Um, it's providing defensibility to Google's business. Yep. Um, and so, I, to 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 carry out that calculation a little a little bit. Um, so then, if you run the flip side of that, since Google has eighty percent market share, so you look at the eighty percent of people that are searching on phones and generating that that fifteen billion dollars of of Google search revenue a year right now. If you take that thirty four percent that they don't have to pay out to other people. Android is effectively saving them $4 billion a year just on that because yep. Google doesn't have to pay for that traffic.
1: Which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, all right. Two things real quick to wrap up history and facts, and then we'll move on to, um, to acquisition category. Uh, one, I mentioned Motorola earlier. So Google makes... Um, this move that is in some ways completely brilliant and in other ways completely boneheaded, uh, <laughs> where they buy Motorola in August of 2011 for 12 and a dollars, and they say at the time that you know the primary driver of this was Motorola's patent portfolio, and and this is the brilliant part of it, you know, Apple, um, Oracle, as we've already talked about, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft, many others, the phone companies there starts to be a lot of litigation happening in this space and people are enforcing patents and defending patents and, um, Google being a much younger company than these other, these other firms, um, didn't have the kind of patent bench strength that they did. Mm. Um, so Google buys Motorola, very old company, um, gets all of their patent portfolio and that helps defend Google in things like the Oracle case. Mm Um, and, uh, but the second part of the deal was, oh, well, now we're going to have a unified, you know, stack within Google from, you know, operating system up through the hardware. We're going to make these incredible phones. Uh, didn't yeah, happen.
0: didn't go so well. Yeah. Didn't yeah.
1: happen. So they end up selling the assets of Motorola to Lenovo um, for $2.9 billion, a lot less than 12 and a half. Yeah. But to the extent they saved themselves from multiple billion dollar judgments against them. May have been successful. Um, The other interesting thing that's going to become very relevant as we do the analysis here um, in 2010, a company in China is founded called Xiaomi, Mm -hmm. which um, I presume a lot of our listeners are familiar with. But for those who aren't, this is you know people refer to this as the quote unquote Apple of China.
0: And if you've seen that written, that's X I A O M I.
1: Yep, and and so at this point, uh, sitting here in September 2016. Um Uber I believe is the most val- highly valued private company technology company in the world. Um Xiaomi I believe is the second hmm. uh, valued at somewhere I believe between 40 and 50 billion dollars uh, in their last financing. Um and Xiaomi is interesting like they much like Samsung and others you know uh have been accused of just copying the iPhone. Right. Um, but what Xiaomi did uh has done Samsung was completely reliant on Google. Um, You know, they just made the hardware and then they had some software, you know, skins, quote unquote, that they would put on top of Android. But it's running Google Android. Xiaomi, as we talked about, completely forked Android, um, have taken over, have their own branch of Android that they fully control. Um, There's a startup called Cyanogen uh, that has also done the same thing that only Mm -hmm. distributes the operating system. Uh, And Xiaomi-
0: Kindle Fire does the same thing. Kindle Fire,
1: Amazon does this with Kindle Fire. Um, And Xiaomi basically leveraged open source Android to uh, compete with Apple. And so they make beautiful, uh, relatively low cost devices, sell them in China, they're wildly popular. Um, And they run a version of Android that Xiaomi is completely locked down and controls.
0: And this is a good time to- um, to draw the line between what is the android open source project and what is android as licensed from google so um you can get uh, android absolutely for free from google um, and it comes with all the services that that uh, google does google maps gmail uh, most most importantly access to the play store and all the apps in there or you can go get the source code yourself, and you can fork it, and you can uh, you can just use Android source code. But the the major disadvantage there is you don't have access on your platform to the Play Store, and you don't have access to all these services. So you really have to not only go and build that yourself, the, all those, uh, uh, you know, a mail Or app plug and, in other partners. Right, right. But you actually have to build an entire new developer ecosystem. Like Amazon has to go around and convince everyone to submit to the Amazon App Store yep. and the Google Play Store. And that, you know, requires a little bit of work from, from each developer. G- generally worth it, but y- you kind of have this new cold start problem. And so what, what Google sort of has in advantage here is for people who care about um for manufacturers that care about having access to all the apps in the play store and all those services they're just going to roll with stock android and then google gets to make sure that you don't change any of the search or services away from them yep um
1: all right (sighs) <sighs> Sorry that was a long one uh, there is so much to cover here with Android.
0: Yeah David do you think that uh, so we've, we've kind of talked about like what the point of Android is right now. Do you think that was the strategy when they acquired it and when they started getting into the mobile game like why was mobile gonna be important to Google in 2005? I don't I don't know but
1: I, I don't think there was any way anyone could have foretold what was gonna happen you know in this market. Uh, I think this was a uh, great, by by Google of a really talented team working on some really cool technology that had a lot of potential, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, well, Google probably knew about the iPhone because Eric Schmidt was on Steve Jobs' board at Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody really could have figured out exactly how this was going to play out. But but yeah. major, you know, Google has done an amazing job with Android in terms of shepherding it through this wildly complex. Uh, you know gyrations in the market that by the way completely killed blackberry um so like a company that was many multi-billion dollar company that was the leader in smartphones just decimated gone yeah um you know and and microsoft in a lot of ways too uh you know obviously microsoft is having a resurgence now and didn't wasn't destroyed uh but they were the like one of the leading mobile operating system providers and (laughs) now that's gone um Google really has done a
0: great job shepherding this. Yeah, it's a great point. All right, do you want to move on to uh, acquisition category? Absolutely. Awesome. I am going to go with technology here. Uh, other choices, people, product, business line, asset, or other. I don't think, my initial inclination was product, but this was so early that what they were acquiring was not a complete product and not something they could go to market with, and something that didn't have its own independent, fully fleshed out strategy. Yep. And what they were really buying was kind of this core core technology that um, has actually no one else really went out and tried to build that. Like it clearly is a difficult piece of technology yeah. to build because
1: surprising it, though too because it like clearly it's difficult, but it, it was it itself was based on Linux somebody else could have also taken linux and you know the android team was a super small team when hadn't raised any vc when google bought it
0: yeah and now there's no incentive to go out and build anything else because like if if you were going to build anything else you'd have the cold start problem on all those services well everybody's already
1: on ios and android so right
0: right but it, it is interesting how you know google has this core technology and access to services that it licenses out and the the I guess it's a free license, but at the very core of that is this technology that they acquired. Yep. Um,
1: I basically gave my answer to this earlier, uh, which which uh, I won't repeat all of it, but I completely agree. This was a technology acquisition when they bought it, uh, and then Google has done just this incredible job of shepherding it through. You know, I actually wrote down that it was a technology acquisition with a little bit of some great talent when they bought it. But over time, this has gone from a technology to a product to a business line and now an asset at Google. Um, (laughs) And that's really been under the under the stewardship of the whole company.
0: And it's amazing how it's an asset of defensibility. I mean, really, the the core thing they get from from Android, in my opinion, is Making sure they don't lose access to all of those people searching, yep. and for as many of these interesting moonshots as Google is working on, and, and self driving cars truly could be um, a a very different business for them and a very um, big and profitable one that actually rivals search. Like Google makes money from having a marketplace of ads when you search, yep. and you know sometimes on other websites. And I think that when you boil it down, they they bought defensibility, yep. and and more importantly. Like, it was a cheap buy. What they did was invest 10 years into building a entire, you know, arm of their business to provide defensibility. Um, totally agree.
1: Should we move on to what would have happened otherwise?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I was thinking about this one earlier, and my core question is, I guess it's two. Could and would Google have built themselves into the position that they're in today if they had not made the android acquisition
1: ah uh, interesting we usually think about what would have happened otherwise from the
0: startup's perspective yeah, like where is that company going to land
1: which here i think is an interest is a easy question to answer because there's no way I, the playing field was so massive here as this market evolved there's no way a small independent company could have yeah. had this scale of impact so i don't think android um It probably would have been bought by somebody else or failed uh, on its own. Um, But uh, but yeah, for Google, could they have done this
0: without buying Android? Like, did they in in um? Let's say hypothetically they had the foresight to know that the world would be the way it is today, and which again
1: they knew what Apple was up to.
0: Yep, and and they they knew they would need uh, a competitive mobile operating system or maybe even actual phones. To make sure that they own that customer relationship to funnel people to search, then you have a build or buy decision, and fifty million is a is like, you know, like let's say they were going to staff a team to go and build basically Android in house. I, it feels like it's close. Yeah, like it feels like this was not an outlandish. Um, well, and especially
1: back then, I mean, Google was the darling of. Silicon Valley, like everybody wanted to work there. They'd just gone public. Yeah. Um, certainly they could have done it. The question I think is, would they have, you know, they, they bought Android. Um, at least part of it was, you know, Larry and Sergey were sidekick fans. Right. Uh, and they Mm -hmm. knew Andy, um, and Google's M and a strategy has always been about acquiring really talented teams and having those people come into Google and see what they do. Um, and in this case, they hit it out of the park. Would would anyone at Google have been enough of a champion and visionary about what was going to happen to do right. this? Otherwise,
0: or did you need an Andy Rubin to kind of be at the helm yeah. of that?
1: And you know, like we said in the beginning, I mean, Andy was born to start this company. I mean, his whole career to this point, you know, I mean, as Steve Jobs says, you know, you can only connect the dots dots looking backwards, not mm-hmm. forwards, but. Looking backwards, I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone more qualified or who had been thinking about this problem about how do you create a really compelling mobile computer and operating you know system mm-hmm. and experience uh, than Andy.
0: Yeah, you're right. And the thing that keeps tugging at me is you could see a very classic Microsoft way to go about this where where um google says okay we got to have uh phones we're not going to make the phones we're going to make the operating system we're going to charge for the operating system but android already had this whole open source thing going on and they said you know we're going to be completely open source we uh they hadn't figured out the like you know license package with google services built on linux but like what was that yeah built on linux was that a forcing function to make Google go into this business strategy of give it away for free, or would Google have arrived at this give it away for free business strategy on their own if they hadn't acquired Android? And one thing that just popped in my head is you could make the case that, well, compared to the insane business that search is, they shouldn't be in the business of selling individual software licenses, right? But- They're doing it with Google Apps. Like if you're a, it's this like tiny portion of their revenue, Mm, but they 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 haven't like totally shied away from the traditional business model of of like a. Yeah, and it's interesting.
1: I mean, if you think about the grade that we gave Google Docs, which is a big part of Google Apps, Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was not an A. Yeah. Um, We haven't graded Android yet. More to discuss, but I'm pretty confident I'm going to be higher than I was on Google Docs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that my the the question in my mind that I, I don't think we can really answer is, um, yeah, would would Google have done this very unique open source approach to to grow insanely quickly and get on everyone's uh, uh or get on you know eighty percent of the world's smartphones, um, without Otherwise, acquiring Android? Yeah.
1: Well, listeners, uh, if any of you. We're at Google at this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, let us know. Uh, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to know. Um, okay, tech themes.
0: Um, we can't go an episode without bringing up Ben Thompson um, and 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 Stratechery, But you have to own the front door to the customer in this day and age.
1: And and the reason Ben and I were talking about this yeah, before the it. show too. I mean, I think the reason why that's important in the current you know internet information economy that we live in is what the internet has done is it has made distribution free and in the old world, this is, you know, not taking credit for this, this is Ben Thompson's insight here. Um, you know, in the old industrial world, distribution was really hard. And so you had to aggregate distribution. And if you controlled distribution, the customer was your, your surf basically in your kingdom. Yep. Um, but now distribution's free and anybody can build anything. Like we were saying, anybody could have built something on top of Linux, mm-hmm. uh, a mobile operating system. Um, so in that world you need to win the customer and you need to have the best customer experience.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: that is one of mine too. Um and I think the um the spin that I had on that was um if you think about what Microsoft was trying to do at that point in time with Windows Mobile um you know the the Microsoft way of thinking uh which is is evolving now but but certainly still at that point in time was like we control everything you need to distribute a computing experience to a customer you know we have a deep relationship with intel Um, we have all the software developers that can make our own proprietary operating system we don't use open source Um, and we have relationships with all the carriers uh, the phone carriers and we can push this stuff out into market and that's great and people will use it you know especially corporate customers because they need it but like windows mobile especially in that day and age sucked Mm -hmm. um i believe i had one of those devices at (laughs) one point in time and it was very frustrating um and and they didn't approach it from this way that you know ben you're talking about uh that we're talking about now of like oh hey like we can just take linux and build this you know and let's build something awesome on top of it right um so that's one the other one that i wanted to talk about that i referenced earlier was um thinking about how the mobile market has played out, it's interesting to see, like, you kind of see this in technology that, like, the area of competition and, like, what's interesting kind of moves up the stack. So in, um, you know, in the old PC world, it was, like, the hardware, you know? Um, was it, you are gonna buy a Mac or you gonna buy a PC? right And then in the beginning of the phone world, uh, as we talked about, it wasn't really so much about the hardware, whether you're going to buy because Google wasn't and Android wasn't competing in hardware, mm-hmm. but it was the services. You know, are you going to buy uh, an Android phone that has Google services baked into it? Or are you going to buy an Apple phone that has Apple services and that Google can still participate in that, but they're paying the Apple tax? What's interesting is I think now that the, you know, the great mobile holy wars are pretty much over as far as we think i mean who knows what will happen in the future Mm -hmm. the level of competition has kind of further elevated up the stack to the application layer you know and like now it's like services and and well services some services right but like not core level services not like operating system level stuff you know it's like are you going to use uber or lyft um are you going to spend your attention uh in snapchat or in facebook or in instagram um you know these are the these are where money is being made today and this is where the the playing field exists mm-hmm. you know it's not at the level of the operating system anymore mm-hmm. um and it's interesting. you know when people talk i think this is kind of a red herring at least in not in china um but people have talked about like moving even further up into being on top of the messenger ecosystem and maybe we'll see that happen. You know, people are talking about bots and Slack bots and right. We're on the early,
0: right early stage of the hype cycle on those early cases.
1: stage of the hype cycle. Um, but it is definitely a theme that you see in technology that like this level of play keeps getting further pushed up the stack.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Totally agreed. Well, I think it's time to grade the acquisition before I throw out my grade. I, 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 a couple of, uh, Here's my here's my reasoning and logic. So Android makes money for Google in two ways. One is advertisements supplied by Google and shown on uh, on Android phones, and the other is revenue Google takes from its mobile app store, Google Play. And uh, we haven't talked much about that yet. That's a that's a non-trivial amount of money. Yep. Um, if uh, since we're we're going off of the the data that Oracle opened up in this lawsuit, it's uh, reported that they had 31 billion dollars. Of, uh, of revenue per year from Android and so we we've seen the estimate that 15% of that or 15 billion dollars of that is from mobile search revenue between um, iOS and Android largely on uh, I guess so it'd be about 12 12 billion dollars of that because it's all, all from Android and then you have like uh, the rest of that is you know there's some amount from the the actual phones that they're selling because Google sells the the Nexus phones but then a lot of that that top line, um, you know, ten to fifteen billion dollars of it is is from the the Google Play Store, and Google keeps thirty percent of that. So let's say three to four billion dollars a year is uh is made from from the actual Play Store. So that in itself, much like how the the App Store for Apple, it's a great business. You know, compared to their their other businesses, it's it's not um, you know, it's not not insane, but. Um, that in yeah. itself would, you know, on a 50, $50 million acquisition would be great. But the the thing that I think Android really did is um, ensure that Google was safe for the next decade or two as the world changed out from under them. And they were at great risk of uh, losing access to their customers. And they um, they engineered a strategy here where... They um, not only you know went and got a, a lot of those customers uh, kind of back and, and made sure that as they transitioned to mobile, they um, they stayed with direct ac- direct access to Google, but and actually even tighter since they never owned the operating system on desktop. But really, were the the primary place to go for the developing world as people came online for the first yep. time. And so I think uh, Google's core a- asset marches on and is well protected, and uh, this is an A plus
1: yeah um for me, the question about grading this is um, the question of whether this is an a or an A plus uh, no doubt this was you know fifty million dollars for something that is achieved even even though it didn't start this way, but over time achieved everything that we've talked about in this episode for Google absolutely fantastic uh you know as (laughs) as david lowey said you know perhaps uh google's best deal ever yeah the Um, the
0: goldman number says 22 billion dollars of profit last year from the android division
1: yeah incredible (laughs) um the thing that i'm wrestling with a little bit is um in in trying to determine whether to give the plus or not is this was In many ways, again, I don't think they saw it this way at the time, but this was a defensive acquisition. This was not an offensive acquisition. And I'm comparing it with Instagram, which is kind of our gold standard here. Instagram is so much simpler than Android. I would still say defensive, though. Well, it's interesting, right? Like defensive, yes, uh, existentially, as I guess Android was in some ways too, but not really because people were still going to keep using Google services, Mm -hmm. whether it was on a Google property or not. Mm -hmm. Like this was just like preventing them from paying the 30, whatever percent tax Mm -hmm. and, and lots of other things too. But Instagram was much more about like, Oh, we're going to up level the playing field now. Um, Like I was talking about in tech themes, like we're going to move up the stack. I don't know. I'm struggling with that. Like part of me feels like I want to just the, you know, the like, bold part of me wants to like reward offensive acquisitions and forward thinking acquisitions. Not that Android wasn't, you know, more than defensive. Well, I, um,
0: wait, wait, I would still say that, that Instagram was, was not a, uh, a, a bold offensive forward thinking. Like ultimately that they, they sell attention to advertisers and they were at risk of losing. Yep. Uh, Which is the all same all thing the that advertise that Facebook sells. That, uh, Facebook and Instagram and Google all do the same thing. They, they all, all sell, sell attention, attention to advertisers. Advertisers, yep. And uh, I think they—they—it was interesting. Like Facebook's move was defensive in that they wanted to make sure that they captured Instagram's attention and could sell that to advertisers too. Google knew that they were going to keep getting the attention, but basically wanted to save their margin.
1: A new, a new, yep, and platform on which to do it. Yeah, I'm struggling. I think it's an A+. <laughs> <laughs> he he oh, says God, in a very man. defeated I'm tone. Defeated. I'm defeated. I'm limping into the A+, here, Ben. <laughs> but which makes me think, I don't want to be limping into the A+, I want to be charging into the A+, you know?
0: Okay, what acquisition ever is an A+. Instagram. I mean, Android has already made a lot more money for Google than Instagram has for Facebook.
1: But I think th- I think this is what I'm having a hard time with, and maybe it's just semantics. But like... Android has saved Google a lot of money. Instagram has Mm. made Facebook a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I'll buy in on that. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Android is effectively a margin saver.
1: Yeah. Whereas Instagram is like, this is a new revenue engine um, for for Facebook.
0: Yeah. Presuming that uh, Google would have gotten the queries from all the new people that were lighting up and basically like new people coming online for the first time. All
1: right. Here's what I'm going to say. Android is my new gold standard for defensive acquisitions and is an A plus (laughs) in that regard. I still like to play offense more than defense.
0: Yep. All right. It's interesting because at the time we just keep going back to this. I don't think it was defensive when they bought it, but what it it ends up turning out to be is uh, the most one of the most incredible defensive plays of all time.
1: All right on that note on that note um let's move quickly into follow-ups yeah yeah so sticking with google uh a couple episodes we covered waze uh this is one of those quirks of history on our show that i think we i think we spoke too soon here uh we we are going to have to do a full follow-up episode on on this maybe maybe on automotive technology generally at some mm-hmm. point um but within the last couple weeks uh Google and Waze announced that they are now doing ride sharing within Waze, uh, competing. The product is slightly different, but competing with Uber, um, and and Lyft too, but competing with Uber, um, interestingly of which Google is a major shareholder in Uber. Um, and David Drummond, uh, Google's head of corp dev and chief legal officer was on Uber's board and resigned after this happened. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it shows that, uh, I mean, we, our our assertion with the Waze episode was that mostly they were y- using Waze data, but not like doing massive reinvestments in that product to make Google Maps better and potentially, um, provide data for their self driving car stuff. And what they're showing now is that they're actually using, they're Waze, playing offense, not just defense. Yeah. Here. To introduce new products and try new things. And, um, you know, not only is it a new thing that, that is interesting, it's it's probably the most interesting new thing that they're doing that they're rolling out through, and they've chosen ways. And they've chosen ways, yeah. Super interesting. Not Google Maps. Yeah. The question is, like, so when they... So they're going to do their car sharing through Waze. Right now, their self-driving cars are much more of an independent thing. Does that mean that they do a self-driving car service rolled out through Waze instead of yeah. through other... Well,
1: I wonder here, too, how much the fact that Google is a huge shareholder in Uber and David Drummond was on Uber's board played into the decision to do this through Waze here. They're like, oh, you know, this is this company that, you know, is still standalone. They're based in Israel. And and Waze had, had rolled out ride sharing in israel long ago Mm. um the news was that they brought it to san francisco right um you know so this is sort of like our independent division doing this you know not related to google corporate you know it's sort of like a head fake here had if google were not an investor in uber would they have rolled this out through google maps
0: huh i don't know i I, and and really the question is is it actually that, that much different than what already existed in in their uh israeli product and then they just decided like yeah we'll try it here too because is it it actually as big a deal as the press and we are now making it out to be
1: well uber thinks it's a big deal for sure yeah yeah Uh. it's true
0: yeah it's to continue our our mention from earlier about how fast things change like friends become enemies very quickly when things like this happen as we saw with apple and google yep yep so who does New Markets uh who, who does, create
1: a lot of competition? In, in
0: five years, who is uh Uber using as their maps provider on Android?
1: Hundred percent Uber. Yeah. I mean the, actually a lot of Uber driver rides that I take now, um, the drivers are using the native Uber navigation huh. and not switching over to Waze or Google
0: Maps. But isn't it still uh like you still need the core maps product underneath, even if their are navigation? Yeah, but is... Uber
1: bought um Oh, I'm blanking on, on who they bought, but they bought some assets from Nokia, I believe. I believe the, they the brought... The here, here Maps? Yep. They are part
0: of that conglomerate. Yeah. Yep. Huh. All
1: right. Uh, quick hot take. Uh, not an acquisition, but we thought it'd be fun to talk about, especially given the content of this episode. Apple's big event, launching the iPhone 7 and, yeah. uh, and AirPods. <laughs> or no, AirPods.
0: Uh, AirPods, yeah, AirPods, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, we're just seeing like the full maturation of of mobile. Like, it's interesting to see phones are where laptops were ten years ago, and um, you know, it starts to open the question for what's next. Like, I got excited, yep. I bought one. That of course, that was going to happen. Um, it's it's going to be an incredible product. All, all the changes that are made are largely incremental, except for their continued uh, breakthrough um, advancements with the the uh, cameras, which I'm super excited about. I heard another interesting point that this could be Apple's soft foray into VR capture, that
1: because of the dual camera y- system y- on the Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that that's something that's kind of going um, uh, unsaid a little bit. Is uh, you know a- Apple just launched a phone that'll be in you know hundreds of millions of people's hands that has two cameras, and they they can kind of do some interesting things with software with that later. Um, who knows. but uh. wait.
1: So here's what's really interesting to me about the Apple event um, last week, and I'm really surprised that people aren't talking about this, or maybe just not people I'm following are talking about this. You know, Apple is super secretive about their roadmap, what they do. They don't talk about anything, but they do drop these hints, you know, and if you look, if you listen closely to what they're saying, it's usually not a surprise what they end up doing. And I was really struck when... They were talking about AirPods um, and talking about the removal of the headphone jack and everybody's focusing on, you know, the courage, right? And like, yeah, that was probably (laughs) a poor choice of words. Um, but, uh, But here's what I think they're saying. I think they're saying like we are moving in with our maybe it's the next iPhone, maybe it's two down the road or maybe this happens incrementally. We're moving to a world where. There are no wires. Um, you know, there's there's no cord to your earphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no power cord. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing tethering you. And, and that means that the device is actually kind of secondary. And if you look at the AirPods, you know, double tap to activate Siri. Like we're moving to a world where computing is just on you, part of you, around you all the time. People have been talking about this. You know, this is part of what Ale- Amazon is doing with Alexa. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to me was a really strong message from Apple that... Coming soon, uh Siri, which we've done our episode on Siri, and we are Ben and I are very skeptical of Apple on this. Like Siri is going to control your computing experience. It may or may not be through a screen.
0: Yeah. Expect more chips in AirPods 2 and AirPods 3 and then an AirPods 7. Get excited because you won't need a phone. Yep. And we'll go from there.
1: We'll go from there. All right. That's our hot take. Carve out.
0: Yeah, mine's quick. Uh, Reading a really cool book right now. Uh, It's called Business Adventures by John Brooks.
1: Oh, so good.
0: It's uh, short vignettes, maybe like 20 to 30 pages each, that are stories of incredible things that happened in business over the last Hundred years. Um, the, f- the first couple are awesome. The 1962 stock market crash, talking about the impact of the, the fact that trades were happening at a higher velocity than could be printed out. So no one knew what price they were buying things for when they put in a, a, a buy order and a sell order on on some of these crazy crash days. And um, the second chapter that I'm on right now is the uh, the colossal failure of the Ford Edsel. And, oh, that's uh, a good one. And the kind of history and, and how that came to be. And just super great and, and really nice if you're um, doing a lot of short flights or something like that where you can go knock out 30 pages, but um, then you won't pick it up again for, you know, a month or something and don't want to forget. They're very kind of bite-sized. Yeah. This
1: is a great book uh, recommended to me a while back by my buddy Matt who who's at, uh, at AVP, which is a uh, growth VC firm in, in San Francisco. Um, this, I believe, is uh, one of Bill Gates' favorite books yeah. and I think his favorite business book.
0: Yeah, he's uh, endorsed it on the cover. It's like pretty killer endorsement. Uh,
1: hard hard to beat that. Um mine is also quick. Uh it is the ESPN OJ documentary. Ooh. Uh it is so good. Have you seen this Ben? No, but you were telling oh, me about You got everybody's got to watch this. It is um five part documentary series. Uh Jenny my wife and I are in the midst of watching it now. We're we're through the first three parts. So good. I'd say it's like it's like 30 to 40% about OJ and the rest the majority of about like what was going on in america you know from the civil rights movement in the 60s up through the 90s and you know and then specifically like in la race relations in la the police in la you know i mean this is where nwa was you know there's so much deep history here that's not um people know about but like this is just such a fantastic job covering it um also i didn't realize like For people kind of been in my age, OJ, just like, it's the trial, right? Like, that's all we think about him. But he was an incredible football player, like, way like head and shoulders above everybody else. So really great to watch. Uh, Highly recommend to everybody. All right. That's what we got for you.
0: If uh, if you aren't subscribed and you want to hear more, you can subscribe from your favorite podcast client. And if you feel so inclined, we would love a review on iTunes. Um, And if you want to share this episode, tweet about it, put it on Facebook, tell your coworkers. Um, yeah really appreciate it as a listener thanks so much
1: thanks to everybody we'll see you next time
0: see you next time